about beers yes it's the cool room uh this is episode 93 or 94 or 95 depending on how travis edits our fantastic discussion last night with the guys from carwin and forward hops and adroit theory and um we're in good form tonight having spent that night with carwin last night uh, we almost forgot to, uh, to hit the record button. I think that sort of sets the tone a little bit uh, for how we're going to be going. We've got some fantastic things coming up in the next couple of weeks on The Cool Room. Uh, please jump onto our social media to make sure you don't miss out on any of them. Apart from anything else, we've got uh, visits from Hop Nation and Deeds coming up. And we've also got our Beery uh, Trivia Night coming up. And there's a pack for all of those things coming out so that you can uh, do some blind tastings as part of the trivia night. Um, so jump on and get on board for all of them and get your teams together for the trivia night. It should be really good fun. Um, Travis Bristos, I have no notes, so I'm going to throw straight to you, mate, and we're going to get this underway with our good friends from Golden, Hill, Golden Hills returning almost exactly one year to the day. I think it's I think it was the 22nd of August last year that we first got to meet Steve. Um, unintentionally, we're pretty much smack on the uh, date again. Uh, thank you, David. Um, we are we are winging this tonight. This is this is great. I was expecting you to do more of an intro, and um, you know, but that's all right. Um, I didn't Steve. introduce Warren Wu either. Oh, we can you. introduce Warren Wu, who isn't in the Zoom room yet, but when you're listening back to the podcast, that won't matter anyway. But um, Warren will be here to talk us through the second of our three beers tonight. Um, I'm going to talk us through the first one and introduce Steve. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. Yourself? Yeah, great. Um, like David just said, it's pretty much been a year since uh, since we had you on last. and Yeah, uh, sometime yeah. between two weeks and... 20 years <laughs> we've had time at the minute yeah it's uh it's definitely definitely a bit like wouldn't, that. Have, wouldn't have bet that in 12 months time we'd be here but and hopefully the listeners after the fact and the guys in the zoom room tonight uh may have gone back and listened to that episode from a year ago where we where we talked through a few of your beers uh we are going to do the same tonight and we're going to kick it off with the uh the blonde um we'll 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 get to the whole you know, how is 2020, 2021? But um, why don't we start discussing the beer um, firstly, yep. uh, get through the beer and then we can go down the path of sadness, commiserations, no. uh, yeah, depression, sure. all that but sort yeah. of stuff. Um, Do keep listening to the podcast. It will get cheery at some stage. It will, it will, yes, cry and <laughs> it's going to be really entertaining for the rest of you. <laughs> Why did you choose this one to start with? Um, it's a very, uh, it's pretty much everything, sort of classic Belgian styles. I'm, I'm always really keen on trying to get out there more. I know they, we don't see a huge amount of them in the market over here, but um, a whip beer is uh, a really easy starting point for a tasting, or it's a good palate cleanser, um, three or four in. And this is a pretty, um, it's a pretty solid version, a little bit of, orange peel and um, uh, ground coriander in the boil, 
And apart from that, just the Whitbeer yeast doing its thing, nice and creamy, effervescent. That's a good description. I like that mm. description, effervescent. Yeah, perfect. Um, <clears throat> it is, and I was trying to pick my brain because, you know, in, in my daily life of working from home and stuff, I didn't go back and listen to last year's podcast, so I couldn't remember if we if we uh, spoke about this one or I even had it in the pack last year. And David checking. Oh, oh, we, we didn't speak about it, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah. whether it was around or not at that point last year, it probably would have been. Or I feel like it was in the like, pack. Yeah, it, it was. was in the pack. Yep. I feel. Yeah. yeah. We have a few um, people nodding because they can obviously got better memories than, yeah. <laughs> than the rest of us do. And um, and it's been yeah, it goes well at the tap at the tap room itself when when the doors are open. It's a good um, it's a good smashable beer, particularly in the warm warmer months. But I think it's a good year round beer. I've always liked to whip beer as a as sort of that um the one on your list before the pale ale or whatever it might be you might have a kolsch you might have a summer ale or whatever you want to call it and i've, I've always liked to whip beer always liked temple uh, temple by spicicle beer i always thought that was a really good sort of session ale um from over here and um yeah and your, your choice to do a do a blonde how does that differentiate from say for our listeners out there like other styles of you know lagers and and pales like you guys do obviously do a pale and and so forth um what brought you around to doing a blonde so this blonde i mean it's it, the blonde is really very much just a name because as you would know um putting whipped beer or things or wheat sometimes on a can puts people off a little bit um but this is a belgian whipped beer um and it's really driven very much by the yeast which is used which um uh, which gives it the vast majority of those sort of banana and cloviness and even finishes with some of that um, that creaminess that I mentioned before. And I, like many other people, and even traditionally add orange peel and coriander to the boil. Um, I think the orange peels will be faded a little bit, but the coriander is coming through a little bit more now. Um, so it has that, that spice, that herbaceousness and things as well. Um, this is very much a yeast-driven beer. Everything is sort of technically yeast-driven. A lager and an ale are different things, but um, uh, whilst sometimes we let the hops sing or we let the malt sing in this beer, it's um, uh, a fairly blank canvas just to let the, um, the yeast do its thing. Yeah, nice. And um, how does this go in the tap room when it's when it's side by side with the likes of your pale ale? Um, how many taps do you have in the tap room? uh 12 12 and yeah. is this now always one of those taps that's what uh no not quite it would be the the thing is about four beers that stay on forever and then there's about another sort of uh six or seven that rotate and fill up another three or four taps and then um and then then specialties and seasonal so this is sort of that in between it's probably going to be on for about six six months a year yeah, nice. And do you find and it that does well? Yeah, it does. Um, um, it does have quite a nice following. I'm not sure if it's got a particularly uh, a beery following from sort of from people who are sort of big into their craft beers and things and know and recognise those style names when they come into into a bar like ours. But um, once people have those tasting paddles and things like that, when they go back to, do you find that people? 
somewhat gravitate towards the blonde because it's something that they may have never had before. So the the interest peaks and that's how they kind of get into it. Yeah, I think so. And it's 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 pretty approachable, isn't it? I remember it was one of um uh when I was I was in beer, but um uh not a million miles away from this. Tuatara Ardennes was one of my one of what epiphany beers or whatever you want to call them. That um uh and I think a lot of people like it because whilst it's not big bold in your face you can really um identify a lot of the flavors in it you can kind of go i can taste the banana and the bubble and the clove and the the orange peel and things things like that and people appreciate that um but without being bang 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 you guys would ask in terms of the 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 yeast and so forth which is obviously delivering those kinds of flavors you're describing um, are you culturing that yourself or do you just buy that yeast in? You know, it's an interesting sort of thing for some Australian yeah, brewers. Yeah, I just buy exactly the same packets that home brewers do from Grape and Grain and then I culture it up a little bit to grow it a little bit more for the um, uh, the thousand litre batch that this will mm. be. Um, it's really quite a simple process and it's very reliable, very reliable yeast. Over the last year, have you changed any of the recipes from your core range have you yeah you know, what's the feedback you know have you changed any recipes just based on feedback at the tap room i mean obviously you know the tap room hasn't been open all year I mean, why would, why would we listen to the public when i can just make the decisions uh, <laughs> um we we did bring in a mid-strength and that's more for the tap the tap room um and that's that, that's a beer that i've been enjoying quite a bit as well um Nothing's been dramatically changed. Hot-wise on things like pails and IPAs, they've always been tweaked. And um, But that's the joy of being a small place where you don't really have to make a product that tastes exactly the same batch to batch. Um, you can have a little look and maybe up some hop, down some hop, trial a few different kind of malts or maybe some different supplies and see how things taste. But of the, of the core-ish range of your pale lager draft, they've they've... Yeah, 95% of the recipe is still still the same thing. It's still the same at its core. But we have made, I did a, yeah, did a label stock take today. And I think in the last year, there's been 24, was it 25 different beers have come out. So nice. I think those core, core range ones as well. But um, yeah, that, that's cool. We have, you know, we've got over the last year since you guys have been on, our listenership is grown substantially and and we have quite a few few listeners from overseas and stuff um and obviously the year's been a bit of a topsy-turvy time for you guys but uh give us a bit of a brief and a paint us a picture on the brewery and the tap room uh one to refresh uh the regulars minds uh but to also put that picture into the minds of uh, other listeners that uh, might be out there yeah, it is a strange time, isn't it? Because when you're open, you feel that nothing can stop you. And then when you're shut, it feels, um, feels like you'll never open again. But um, uh, so we've got a brewery and tap room bar restaurant in Diamond Creek in the northeast of Mel- Melbourne, um, about 300 seater that's open when allowed, um, seven days a week, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, so it's trying to offer sort of a very full offering of um a full hospitality offering where we make as much as we can in-house 
we had a, it, it does seem strange to remember, but of course summer was quite a busy time once once restrictions start to lift and we started to get those numbers up. I remember summer. Yeah, do you? It was a, a while ago, it seems, and there was people in places. Um, but uh, as, yeah, as numbers started to lift, we got a big space. So it did take um, until those numbers were almost, um, until you were allowed 100 plus people inside for it to feel feel full. But it was great. It was at last to be able to see it. When I last spoke to you guys, I think we had, we would have only had June 2020 as that um, little opening time where it was all 20 people per space. And I forget now, but, um, but it's been great. Once, once we have been going, it's become a, a bit of a part of the local area there. A few people um, were hoping to get people to travel through. We are sort of right on the edge of the Yarra Valley. So we are trying to draw people there and sort of um, on, their, on their jaunts out to the valley, to various wineries and other breweries and things on the weekend. We're hoping to get them to stop in and um, we're hoping that the offering is, yeah, it's a, it's a full breakfast, lunch and dinner, restaurant, bar, brewery. Do you um, find you're getting, you know, listeners from the call room coming in and demanding to know, you know, what the special deal that they get is? I was actually going to, I was literally going to say the same thing, but I thought that might be getting a little bit too cocky because there are a few of us within the call room that thought that um, we we might have put you guys on the map a bit. Oh, oh, I see. I remember it being very successful last time around, and we we were sending beer all over the shop and things. And um, yes, it did go very, very well. And yeah, you did pretty much everything I do and have I owe to you. Um, <laughs> we can certainly say that's 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 a fact. I've uh, I've been toying with the idea of starting a LinkedIn account, and that's gonna, that's going to be the only quote I'm going to use. <laughs> Which would be completely out of context for most of the things I do in my life. That's what I like about it. So. We have, um, I don't know how everyone else is going, but I've, I've smashed this beer. It's so good. It's, um, it's incredibly drinkable. It's so yeah, easy to drink. I get the world on fire, but I, I, there's a real place for it in my mind, a nice blonde. Like it's, um, or a nice whip, whip beer, rather, whatever a blonde is. Um, um, it, it's a really good place to start. It's a really good food beer as well, particularly obviously when you can imagine with lighter stuff with fish, with white fish dishes and things like that, or even stuff with a bit of spice as well. It does cut through. Oh, I'm about to get some shit for saying cut through. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but um, it's not it, the worst it, phrase people are using. Box, sort of, um, either at the start or the tail end of a tasting. Um, I'm a huge fan of Saison's and Triples and sort of all, all Belgian yeast-driven beers. And um, and this is a real, a nice sort of more sessionable version of those. How big is it? You, you mentioned just before that uh, you guys are open for breakfast, lunch and dinner, seven days a yep. week. Do you find you're matching the beers to food? Um, yeah. So when we, um, not, not directly it's not one of those menus that's you know sort of have the have the fish and chips and that goes with the pale ale or something like that but um the whole ethos of the place is sort of accessible quality is a word we kind of we wanted to do good stuff that's without the wankery i guess really um so sort of nicely done good stuff and that pervades through hopefully through the beer and it certainly does through the food um 
that just complement each other as well. And you know, you come in, there is there's 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 a full wine list, there's a cocktail list, there's it's an offering for all. But um, hopefully, with eleven beers on tap, twelve beers on tap, you can um, uh, you can find a there should be a range there to match pretty much any 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 meal on the men menu there. I remember that last time you were, you guys were on, we actually had a discussion about putting a bus trip together and, and getting everyone out there at some point. I do recall, um, yeah. And then obviously, Rainline, I feel it. like we've never come out of lockdown. Um, I still feel like we've, we've got to do that. We've, um, we've definitely have to organise something. Um, I think we're going to move on to the next beer. We're into, um, yeah, I, I get a copper bit of crap for... Um, uh, having far too many beers with Imperial as their prefix, and we somehow have managed to have chosen the only three beers with Imperial to um, to then be on the taste tasting. So more abuse shall follow. That's all good. In fact, that's basically the entire my entire section is just talking about word Imperial, really. So you know, colonialist of some kind. Yeah. Uh, Warren Wu has made it into the Zoom room. He's going to lead us, Steve, while we talk through the Imperial Pills. Now, I'm hoping that Warren, I'm hoping that Warren has his uh, beer in front of him. Okay, so we're up to the Imperial Pilsner, um, the Golden Hills Imperial Pilsner, which is exciting as all fuck. But yes, <laughs> um, so where do you get the Imperial from? How do you stick that into this beer? Um, it's just uh, it's a. Uh, um fairly poorly used prefix just meaning a little bit stronger um really this is a collaboration between uh myself and my good friends at burnley brewing um oh yes jules brewed this beer down there in dandenong and um it was an idea that we wanted to do for a while it was one of one of my beers the new world pilsner was a favorite of all of ours. And um, and we always wanted to make a slightly stronger version. And I've always been um, fairly obsessed with New Zealand hops, particularly in lagers. And um, and we all agreed and we decided to make um, exactly that, a slightly beefier 7% um, uh, Pilsner, just um, heavily dry, dry hopped and, and day zero and whirlpool hopped with kiwi hops. Um, which hops are in there? Mm. Uh, there is Nelson Sorbin, Waiti, Motuika, and Rakao, I think, but heavier on the Nelson Sorbin and Motuika. Ah. And yeah, how about the process? Yeah, can you tell me the process is interesting that it's a collaboration? Like, how does that fit into the whole process? And, and yeah, the, the, yeah what's, the, what's the method for making this beer? Um, uh, in terms of the, I'll start with sort of the process of, of how we came to do a beer together. It mm. was exactly how it should be done. Of, oh, you met in a graveyard? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they gave three beans to the gatekeeper. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> and, um, no, so we um, uh, started a, a little series that there will be a couple more of in the next few months um, coming out, um, just called a mate series. And it was sort of just making beer for the sake of making beer for the most part, just because you are good friends. So this beer came out at the same time as another beer in American state I made with Bright. Um, 
and just because because we sort of get along and we spend all day talking to each other on messenger groups and things and um and talking about beer and then we go well should we just make some beer together and then we can sell it and then we can drink it and it'll all be good fun um kind of remembering why you got into making beer in the first place um and so that's what we did and um with uh, Mikey, Cal and Jules over at Burnley, um, who are wonderful brewers, some of my favourite brewers in the country. Um, uh, Mikey, the head brewer there is German, or um, he used to have a brewery in Germany, so he's very, very staunch on his, um, on his lager making ways and his, um, and his knowledge. He blitzes me out of the water and all his technical knowledge, that's for sure. Um, so it was very natural that we'd make a make a lager um, or more classic. But when it comes to me, it'll always be sort of heavily dry hopped as well to give it more of that fruity, um, fruity aroma, sort of, uh, you know, cut grass, a little bit of diesel. Lovely. Uh, the beer itself, it's pretty, the malt bill's very simple. If I, I can't recall exactly it off my head, but it will have been very, very simple. Just a very simple Pilsner malt, probably a little bit of wheat and some acidulated. And um, then we would have added a good chunk of hops into the Whirlpool. Some, a reasonable bittering hop, I imagine, as well, um, with Euro hops. And then um, and then we like, for this beer, we like to add Day Zero hops. So they're in the tank as the beer is getting transferred into tank before it ferments. And then there would have been a, a classic dry hop just at the end of uh, fermentation as well. Um, we last time uh, we had you on as guests, we spoke about pilsners, and with Burnley, when we had Burnley on, um, we yep. we got in deep when it came to to lagers and pilsners. We were really, we were right up, we were really deep. Too much when we were there was history lessons and stuff, wasn't there? <laughs> it got it got pretty yeah, yeah. It got pretty full on. Um, so so do you feel like pilsners are becoming a thing with the great unwashed do you think it's it is kind of finding a, a little ray of sunshine so. in the, it's, I think, well i think what we spoke dank, about dank world speaking about it with you last a year a year ago and my love for these sort of these hoppier versions of pilsners um was certainly born in new zealand um and then this is sort of an iteration of that um, I think I think there has to be really. I mean, but now but now we have to now we're calling them cold IPAs instead. So um, it's all a bit confusing and confronting. But um, yeah, I, I really hope there is. Anyway, I mean, you know, we we've just had a, a Belgian whip beer, and now we're in a pills now, and they're probably not the biggest selling <laughs> um, beers. Um, uh, in, in in the crafty market, but there certainly is scope for them because um, they're a great way. They're a great way to deliver fla flavour. It's, it's got that bitterness to it, which a Pilsner does, a German Pilsner, um, which we're all fairly, you know, we've all pretty much got a threshold of 40 IBUs now or we can't even taste it. Um, we've drunk so many IPAs. Um, and... Um, and I think there is, it's just, it just adds, the yeast adds a fairly different element than a, than a classic ale yeast does. And then, um, and cold storing for a while, or even uh, dry hopping at those much cooler temperatures adds a really different element to it, a much greener, fresher sort of grassy element to it, which um, 
which I think there's always time for. It says to enjoy this beer with the American Stout, also, yeah. a, also a collab. Uh, can you maybe tell us a little more about that beer too, and particularly why uh, you think we should drink those, that, why, why those two beers go together? I can indeed, yes, yes, absolutely. And good research too, one. Um, uh, um, so this mate series was launched off with, with those two collabs with um, uh, one with Burnley and then one with Bright um, the, the one we're drinking now the Imperial Pilsner um, was made down um, in Burnley and the you know, American Stout was made uh, by myself but Reed, the head brewer from Bright came down, um, good beer week actually it was beer awards night on the Thursday and um, he came down and we brewed that and given you know just logistics and things like that they were designed to be two beers that will stand alone and be very nice beers but the idea was to potentially make a what a, a, a black and tan of kinds but a big hoppy um and i'll be honest i was a little reluctant when I first got the two, uh, the, the Pilsner package before at Burnley, and it was probably, it was a week or two later that I packaged the site, and then we, um, I put them together. And um, it does, it, it creates a very good balance between the two. Um, and um, it's fun, it doesn't, they're not meant to be together, they're not, you know, but they, they absolutely can, can be to enjoy sort of, it's very much a third drink that actually, um stands quite strong by itself yeah that's fantastic but yeah do even i i love a black and tan but they've disappeared from a yeah that's right vernacular so it's just kind of great to someone's happy to to throw it back out there again in that discussion you kind of highlighted that you know blondes and pilsners aren't necessarily setting the craft beer world on fire how do they do in your tap room what like what's the what's the the rhythm in your tap room? Do you do you do you move through those beers fairly? I mean, obviously, you know, given the year, um, rhythm is is the exact opposite of everything we've had. But um, uh, yeah, they do they tick through. So I mean, like particularly these ones. So the yeah, I've got the New World Pilsner. Um, it's um that's that's not much of that left, and then this Imperial one as well, which is essentially a stronger version with some different hops. So they are quite confronting they're not confront but they're they're hoppier beers they're they're on that scale of that um but um they do go well is it the challenge is just to get it in front of someone and then they tend to enjoy it um that tends to be one people do recognize the word pilsner and they do recognize the word blonde and things and they go for them they don't go for it as much as they go for pale ale or they go for lager when they're unsure but um yeah, the point is to have beers that are that are classy and well made, but they're pretty approachable. Like they they can't really turn anyone off too much. Yeah, I've still got a fair amount of this beer left, so I'm going to chime in here and ask a question that Crofty asked in the Zoom room, and and it's a good time to reference it. The people that come into the Zoom room get to ask questions on the night. Um, uh, within the chat and we'll have a couple of chances at the end of the, the session for you guys to ask questions as well. But um, he referenced uh, just in relation to uh, what glass he should be drinking this out of. He has quite a few glasses uh, sitting around the house because, you know, he's crofty and he's holding them up at the moment. 
Um, oh, weird... What's Haku? I don't even know what that is. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna show you, but oh, beautiful, yeah, yeah. very nice. Um, and where do you sort of sit on this? I mean, we, it's kind of been a thing that's come up in the last few episodes we've done, where we've actually talked about different glassware and and mm-hmm. how you should be drinking certain beers out of certain glassware and how they can taste different if you drink them out of a particular glass. Um, what's your thought process on this, Steve? Where do you sit with the Pilsner? Uh, anywhere between Golden Chalice and Skull of My Enemies. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but, um, uh, no, um, well, but we all remember the, um, the Spiegelau IPA glass, of course, which, which we, I'm sure the vast, a lot of people in this room have got some in their cupboard if, yep. if we haven't broken them along the way to... Um, you know, this revolution of sort of, of um, something to uh, give an extra oomph to our hoppy beers and to aroma. Um, I drink anything out of a, out of a generally a wide, wide aperture. I do like those those techies there. This one here I'm drinking out of is just one of those crafted little tidy things. Um, um, but no, just a, just a wide aperture. Um, stemmed glass is usually my preferred thing um i do think they are perfect choice it's your favorite glass um there is time as well for um for not thinking about it too much as well i always think i think i, I get more pleasure from from seeing 300 people in a bar smashing smashing pints of your pale ale or kolsch or whatever and probably not really think thinking about it out of cans or out of, out of pint glasses than i do sitting well i get as much pleasure of you know just sitting there with with beautiful glassware and, and looking at nuances of beers and things like that um there's certainly time just for smashing beers out of out of a can or out of a pint glass but um for a roma a nice big wide aperture a, a red wine glass of kinds essentially so, so I guess follow up on that. Out at your tap room, do you pretty much serve all the beers out of the same glassware, or do you change it up depending on the beer? Um, oh no, the most out of the same, aside from uh, the um, a couple of the big boys, so the Imperial Stout, and um, which we've got here somewhere as well, that go into um, the wine glasses. Exactly the same wine glass you've got pretty much in front of you. Yep. Um. No, they're just served in pots and pints. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and you can still, you could always work, you know, and just allow it to enjoy it when it's icy cold and you get that first mouthful and then just let it warm and let it swirl. You can still get your nose, nose in it. For all the times we sit around talking about beer wank, there is something really great about a pint glass, like just a good old fashioned kind of pint glass. It, there's a nice feeling about it. it it's about the weight. Yeah. Yep. And the interesting thing. The drink it, beyond the aromas, beyond the drink itself, it's like I've shared so many good pints with amazing people that, that like immediately, as soon as I pick it up, it's like all those feelings are distilled into the feeling of me picking up a full cold beer in a pint glass. Uh, just yeah i don't think there's many glasses which are going to give me a better experience than those emotions i have attached to that glass i uh, this is and this is we're getting probably a little bit off topic but i feel during lockdowns um in melbourne i kind of gravitate towards a pint glass at home 
because if I'm going out nine out of 10 times, that's what I'm drinking my beer out of. And it's kind of just been this thing now where I automatically just reach for the pint glass. Mm. Yep. Yep. Is it, I don't know. There's something that we, we, we sometimes forget that the, the, the kind of the, the stick our nose in it and analyzing it and picking up those little nuances and try to figure out what things are is great. And it's really mindful. And it's particularly these times we kind of need to concentrate on that. But sometimes you just need that emotional connection of grabbing something which, which has an emotive kind of connection for you. Uh, something that reminds your friends and, and good times and all that other bullshit. Yeah. But it's what, Gee, yeah. Warren, I feel like you've just thought of it. Enjoy um, whatever a sessionable but maybe that blonde or maybe it's a pale ale or maybe whatever it is because we don't tend to do it very often and sit down and in a pub and have drink responsibly everyone like five six pints of the exact same beer <laughs> you do it like because we chop and we change and we all and then we go to a different bar and we were trying different flavors very often but it's such a genuine joy and you really get a lot out of a beer if you sort of just sit there and you enjoy it because that's how it's meant to be enjoyed yeah yep yeah, I was going to ask this question in a moment, but I guess the sort of brewing process you were describing before with the mate's beers, that really what you were wanting to do was sort of capture a bit of that same kind of, you know, enjoyment of brewing and enjoyment yeah. of those processes. Um, and I guess particularly in 2020 and the year that we've just got out of and 2021 being much the same, um, the same kind of sort of feelings, you actually want to enjoy what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, you know, I mean, whatever job it is you do, however passionate you are, you know, it eventually, you know, gets you. Because eventually there's spreadsheets and deadlines of all sorts of whatever it is. And um, and it's important to remember why you got back. And like I say, you know, I spend, I spend all day at work making beer and never making beer, just moving it around from one place to another <laughs> and picking up after myself. That's all you do. Um, but, um, yeah, I sit there, you know, I'm messaging friends who maybe I've worked with in the past or or just friends from the industry because that's who you know and you're just talking about things and you're always talking about work and you're talking about beer and generally in a very positive light because you're in the industry and then you just go, should we just make some beer together? You know, it doesn't have to be a great marketing scheme or anything or a, just to put your name to something to try and build a brand. It can be just for the sake of, because it's quite good fun to go and get together and make beer together make beer have a few beers while you're making the beer oh, within the guidelines of yeah you know health and safety exactly. right yeah this this is changing quite substantially i think the warmer it's getting it's sort of that that sort of fruitiness of it's coming out a mm. bit more the more it the more it sits around and would that be a accurate description oh, yeah it does when 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 you hop it heavily enough and i think it, could probably do with a little bit more lift um it um yeah absolutely it comes it, it, i always find cute i love them so much but i think it's because they perplex me quite a lot that i can't ever really put my finger on a lot of the things i'm i'm tasting with these lower they're not these big resinous citrus piney hops from the states but they're these flavor or even or from over here these tropical fruit bombs that we grow in australia they're these really subtle, you know, all the all the wanky ones, all the 
all the gooseberry and all the stone fruit and the pawpaw, which no one really knows what it tastes like, but we describe it as things. Um, no one's um, buying pawpaw at Woolworths, are they? No. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it goes so well with with, with lagers. I so I, I so firmly believe it. Um, so Burnley, Burnley have just banged out a, um, a New Zealand IPA. I presumably inspired it completely. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Your your big broad brushstrokes tonight are fantastic. We're responsible for everything. Burnley, <laughs> you're responsible for everything at Burnley. Right, I can't wait to see what Burnley's responsible for. Yeah, as well. But um, but yeah, the car made of Burnley that um, uh, get lost New Zealand IPA. It's a superb beer I've been drinking recently. Um, it's a good little point to uh, to remind our listeners, particularly ones who are new to the podcast, to delve back into the archives because. We did have Burnley uh, on the show last year. Um, that was, I think, long after me. Uh, yeah. Yep. Episode fifty-six it was fantastic, and um, we also had Bright on, who were the collab people for the uh, yep. American Stout. I think that was episode oh fifty-six. So and um, the top of your head, both though. awesome brewers. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I wonder if on that note, David, we should take a, a quick breather to to grab our next two Imperials out of the fridge. All the big boys. David's going to talk us through the Imperial uh, Berry Sour and the Imperial Stout. You guys can choose which one you want to open and then we'll come back and continue on the Imperial bandwagon. And we're back having had just a little break here in the uh, in the Zoom room version, which is uh, one of those things that we do. We'd love you to come and join us in the Zoom room if you're just a podcast listener. We'd also love it if you subscribed uh, to the podcast if you're an infrequent listener. It, uh, it makes a big difference to a whole lot of things that we do, in particular our capacity to get great guests like Golden Hills on. Um, and it also means that we can continue to beat uh, that awful Ian McNally uh, in the Australian podcast ratings. And um, we know he doesn't listen in, so we can say whatever we like about him. So um, make sure that you uh, that you subscribe so we can continue to beat. Uh, I was going to say, have a beer and guess the year. That's his little, uh, that's his little project during lockdown. Uh, Chosen Brew is, of course, the podcast. Um, as Travis has already said before we had a little break, we're going to give people the choice of which of the Imperials uh, they wish to partake of, if not both and if not combining them, uh, while we chat here to Steve. And um, I have personally kicked off with the uh, Imperial Berry. And um, I know we've sort of touched on these beers before, but I thought we'd really sort of do the, the whole tasting thing right from the right from just looking at it in the glass through to having the smell and appreciating the nose and going right through. So, Steve, do you want to take us on a, on a little tasting tour as you approach this beer and how you're finding it out of the can tonight? I'll be honest with you. When I make a beer like this, I still get quite excitable when, when you're transferred into tank or whatever, or you're taking that first day's grab and you have a bright pink beer. It's still quite an exciting thing. I think it's daft, and of course I know why, because it's got lots of fruit in it. 
but um but it's a beautiful thing and it's nice and it's great seeing them going out on tasting paddles and things when you've got sort of a few different you know there's lots of yellow beer out there <laughs> lots of, <laughs> i make it too but there's are you worried that it's not going to look like that or are you are you confident it's, not, that it's just it's all it's all yellow beer and then um and then all of a sudden there's a there's a big smack of something like this so this is a um uh just a it's really easy to make don't tell anyone um <laughs> uh it's a kettle soured ale very simple lots of pilsner malts macidulated malt um soured lactobacillus sits in the kettle for a couple of days that does its thing and then it's transferred onto um uh 100 and a bit kilos of fruit um uh, raspberries, strawberries, and blueberries, with raspberries making up uh, about six, uh, well, almost two thirds of that. So raspberries are the majority of that. Um, I hope you're not buying them from your local Safeway in the middle of winter, because I'll give you a tip: the raspberry <laughs> price at the moment. You should see the amount of punnets in my bins. It's awful. Um, <laughs> do Do you ever sit down and look at the um, look at the figures and the accounts at the end of the month and realise you've spent more on raspberries than you've spent on hops? Um, I've never spent more on raspberries than on hops because there's always hops. But um, uh, no, I, 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 it, it is, it's a fairly expensive beer to make. But, um, but it's beautiful. Um, it's drinking. So yeah, much. it's really quite worth it. I think it's um, oh, I think it's come out really well this year. And so can we talk, talk, talk us through the colours that you see? <clears throat> it's um oh how would we describe it it's sort of it's pink going on peach almost isn't mm. it though it's it is it is um it's not a vibrant bright pink in the glass it's almost um, a grapefruity color yeah, yeah like a pink grapefruit yeah, yeah. yeah a ruby grapefruit that's spot on i reckon mm. yeah and the i love the texture of the of the head when you pour it like if you give it mm. a little bit of air it's just a really marshmallowy kind of just off white um it is a real yeah, lovely feature it does like there's some good texture and it will dissipate with my with ph is this low um quite famously so but um but it comes in nice and you know and it really is just that smack of because of course you know you have this fruit that's um that's sweet with a tart finish and of course we remove most of the sweetness by um by fermenting it in beer so you're really just left with um with the strip back the strip back flavor but with the with only the tartness left not that not that sweetness of of, of the berry now um, while you talk about that um Muggs has asked a question in the chat, one of the great reasons yeah. to be in the Zoom room with us. Uh, his question is, acidulated malt in a sour, is that there to adjust the mash pH or to impart tartness in the beer? So exactly relevant to what you're talking about, but there are so many sort of buzzwords and uh, things that for, you know, people who are new to uh, craft beer, can you just sort of explain what is pH? Why does it matter? And how does it change through the brewing process, for instance? You know, our stands on this. Um, uh, um, uh, for that one, um, yes, for mash. Uh, yes, for mash and wort pH. Yes, more so wort pH um, to make up the balance. Um, uh, pH plays a huge part in, in how we perceive flavours there. Um, um, 
obviously it's it's literally the acidity to um, basic or alkaline nature of a beer, but we play exclusively in the acidic version of, um, compared to compared to neutral compared to water. Um, all beer comes out well, almost all beer. I've seen some weird things, but um, comes out uh, um, acidic, and that happens. Um, as a result of uh, of conversion during the mash, but also hop additions, hops are very much uh, acidic. And in this case, of course, we're trying to make a sour beer, an acidic beer. Um, and so we kettle sour, whereby we I deliberately lower the pH sometimes through uh, uh, with um, acidulated malt, as we just mentioned, in a reasonably small percentage, and also adding some lactic acid straight to the mash to um straight to the smoke mash um, to the to the kettle and then and then you pitch your culture of lactobacillus whatever your particular flavor is and um and you leave it be uh, um uh, a fairly dangerous low temperature of around 30 degrees <laughs> where you know the stuff where <laughs> bacteria grows um and this is quite a common method whereby so then when that ph is reduced through the through the lacto doing its work, um, we then boil it up as we would with a normal beer, essentially. So that means everything in our tanks is clean. It's all been boiled and killed at that point. So we've got our our, um, our soured wort at that that point, and then I pitch it onto fruit and ferment it, essentially like a normal beer, without being too terrified that there's um bacteria and bugs. <laughs> in. And acidulated malt for those playing at home. Uh, yeah, acidulated malt is just um, yeah, is is um, a malt made by our wonderful monsters that's soured with um, I assume it's tartaric, but I'm honest, no, I don't know how acidulated malt's made. I buy it in bags. <laughs> um, there, there's there's a question that that came from your hesitation about or your you just that the slot the slight pause when you were discussing all beers are acidic. Do I get the impression that you've tried a beer that is not acidic, the one that's pH neutral or even the other way? Um, yeah, I think there's, um, I think in the new kind of um, uh, people trying to make like performance beers and things like that, with sort of with um, uh, what you call them, what you get in Powerade. Um, uh, like oh, that performance, not like yeah. as in yeah, I was with you, bloody da art, like like performance art beer. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> it's like no, there's no much like beer. <laughs> I was thinking interpretive dance. Well, you're aware, obviously, the alcohol-free movement is is becoming massive, mm, yeah. huge, and then there's 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 yeah, there's some who are also then adding electrolytes, as thankfully about. 25 people just message to remind me of the word um uh which we sort of do any you know you can add those salts to beer in certain but no that some of them bring up ph and it's a very peculiar thing wow that's that's really like, interesting yeah i feel like i've just learned about something i never really want to never want to learn about no, it's fine just yeah. let it go or try but but i'm but i'm fascinated as well to think that there's a market out there for that kind of thing because you know i will drink a sports drink but the idea of having a sports beer kind could, of could you imagine winning the winning the premiership and then pouring a whole bucket of 
sports beer on your coach. Like, I don't know how that fits in the world, like sports beer. Well, I couldn't imagine coming home from a run in the morning and having a sports beer, I guess is the is what I'm thinking. Well, just throw a shot of vodka in your Gatorade. Just come home from a run and have a regular beer. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's Apparently. why God invented Brendan. It's all just coming home from a run about. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're absolutely right, Steve. You're steering this ship, and I'm glad you are. You brought us back on topic. Let's stop talking about silly things like exercise that no one wants to be talking about that in lockdown six in Melbourne at the moment. What we want to be talking about is imperial beers. Um, can we just talk? Um, some people may have it in the glass or in a different glass. Just briefly about the imperial stout. I think we talked about that last time you were on last Did year. we? I, I think we did too, yeah, because there's something I'm quite proud of. Um, I might have a little whack of it just since we're, since we're in the zone. Yeah, I'm doing the same. Don't worry. I'm, I'm about to open mine as well. Uh, again, talk us through some of the flavours to start off with for people who are having this for the first time. We got such rave reviews for this beer last year. Uh, this Imperial Stout is, or is it, do you know what? It's so easy to make, Imperial Stouts. They really are. They just, you can you can throw so much of them and because you're using so much malt physically, you can layer in so many different characters and, you know, every single time, whether I've been doing at various other breweries, their anniversary beers or their Imperial Stouts or whatever, Every year is different because you end up using some leftover bag of something that you've just got. I've got 10 kilos left of this crystal malt or 15 kilos left of that. And that always involves, sometimes it's often regardless of what they are, it develops this layering of flavours, which is always such a sludge beast is very delicious. Um, uh, but in this case... Um, it's again, it is a very simple beer to make. You just add it heap of malts together and you bitter it quite strong strongly it has to be really quite heavily bit bitter to balance it out but um but once it opens up in the glass you get all those all those classic dark you get a little bit of smoke you get a cause molasses and licorice um this one more dark chocolate last year's was a little a little lighter was a little more milky and um and uh vanillary um, and this year's has gone a little more, a little more towards that, that kind of burnt edge of of, of toffee and molasses and, and licorice. I think that that smokiness comes through on the nose, almost the moment you crack the can. It's it's there from the beginning, and um, yeah, it's oh, so good. Can I ask, given you've changed, well, it's the nature of the beer; it changes each year. Why you've sort of used the same label, the same name, different, you know, other breweries this, might. This, this beer, they have pretty much stayed almost exactly the same. Um, aside from which I couldn't get one particular malt. Um, I like, in terms of that question though, I actually quite like to do this with this artist series. We, we just have those couples um, of beers, which are really beautiful cans. And um I really quite like the idea, and maybe it's just me being lazy. It just it has imperial set. So, um, so we've got four, just about to have five beers in the artist series. There was the imperial state, uh, the imperial sour, imperial berry, whatever it's called. Um, we just had um, the Nipah, 
um, the triple from last year, and there's about to be a double IPA as well. Yeah. Tell uh, us just, about number five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dub, double IPAs in tank now. Um, and I really quite like the blank. There's a Speedwell IPA glass. Hey. Um, uh, I really quite like the um, the blank canvas of just having a name. There's there's no tasting notes written on that. So each year it's the same beer inspired by the same thing, but it's just an imperial stout. Or the Nipah has had its hops changed every single time. I find that fascinating because some breweries... It's essentially the same thing, but that's what it is. It's called Nipah. It's just, it's a different piece every single time. There's um, there's like a little bit of a theme between this one and last week we had Sean on Killer Sprocket. And I'm glad mm. you're saying it, Steve, that, that like, it's not that... There, there's things which aren't that difficult about brewing commercial styles beer or brewing beer full stop. Like there's things which which aren't that like in a lot of people's heads and i'm sure in this room that the the craft and art of, of brewing a beer seems so far away but it's great to hear professionals and people who who do it day in day out just it might just be that you guys are got a little bit of um like you guys are really experienced and you understand them a lot more than we do but yeah it's great to hear it's not that difficult it's not that no, it's challenging to make this beer. Isn't it? Scale makes things a bit easier as well compared to sort of yeah. compared to the homebrew scale. It's a lot easier to keep a thousand liters at a certain temperature than it is yeah. to keep twenty liters at a certain temperature sometimes. And when you've got a bag of of like a disinfectant in the corner, it's easy just to throw throw like a couple of handfuls into something as opposed yeah. to measuring it out like measuring your oxyper out and trying to well that's right you know you know you get most of my bags of malt come in 25 kilo bags but if you weigh them all they'll all be between sort of 25.5 and 25.1 and that extra 400 grams makes a lot of diff difference to some people but to me not so much yeah. um uh, you've distracted me, Mr. Warren, but they were very Sorry. good questions. No, 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 they were, they were they were great like questions. Question? They were they were exactly the kinds of things that were on my mind. So, thank you for asking those. Uh, I guess what we haven't sort of touched on, particularly as we've moved through tonight, you know, when we first had you on the podcast, you know, we were talking about what it was like to be opening up during COVID, and we I guess <laughs> we asked a little bit there, and we've spoken about the fact you were only open for a couple of weeks in June last time but how has the year gone and you know how's how's all of the experience of you know i think you'd virtually bought the canning line and canned things uh when i bought the canning got things canned when we last had you on yeah wouldn't have been too it is uh time frame is a tricky one isn't it in this part of time it is still challenging because you don't know anything. You don't know if any sort of busyness or quietness is as a result of, yeah, I think, Queen's birthday this year, for instance. Yep. We had a stonkingly busy weekend, just obscenely, but it was because no one could go to regional because um, that was, it was all, <laughs> we were open, but people couldn't leave. And um, so it is, it's still quite challenging. We're still kind of, you know, holding our cards close, going, there's no way we're looking back at 2020 or 2021 as a, oh, what did we do in June? Like, There's no data points there. But it is great when we have had those those times where we have been open and and 
she is settling into normal. You're having you're having quiet Monday breakfasts, but your Friday afternoon the place starts to fill up with with noise and laughter and people drink drinking beer and eat, eating food and it's wonderful. And sort of why you why you do this whole thing. When I um my first job ever in brewing was at Max in New Zealand, and it stayed with me because there it was line uh, line Nathan and their um their mission statement which is always a load of wank, of course, um, is to make the world a more sociable place. But I really like it. And it's no, I agree. Good. I think that's, yeah. In it's terms good. of mission that's all, that, that's all we do. We sort of, it is really pleasurable to kind of, to have been there through quite some hard times. Much more fortunate than many others, of course. But, um, you know, to sit there and then sit back and go, look, there's two, 300 people in here and they're eating our food and they're drinking our beer and... They might not be. Some of them are craft beer geeks. Some of them are interested. Some of them are just having a pint of draft. And it's brilliant. And that's what I love. I love it. Um, that's, that's why I get into this gig, to see people enjoying themselves. It's a fantastic uh, answer. And while I agree about the winkiness of, you know, mission statements, that's also a really good mission statement. Like it's yeah, it is. that's far too long ago now. But um, um, yeah, and it has. I reckon prob- I probably forgot about it, but I actually sort of gone through a bit of working in the industry for a decade or so, and really just come back to it. Yeah, no, I can understand that. When I was you know doing things at the Bowls Club, it was exactly that, just a sort of mm-hmm. peer-based space in the community where yeah. everyone could come together. You know, sort of yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to uh, sort of. That original question was sort of leading to the question of, are there beers that you haven't brewed that are in the back of your head but you really want to sort of have on tap that people can experience in a different way? Are holding things back? It's the exact same one as last time. I just want everyone to drink Belgian triples all day. (laughs) Last year, I did get to make, make, make it, and it flew off the shelf, as my memory recalls. And um, and we were responsible for that. And, and Burnley had a really big yes, because of that's exactly right because of the hype trade from the Cool Room podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Um, it was like a Bieber concert. It was unreal. And um, I don't think I've ever heard anything craft beer related to in a Bieber sense before. So oh. <laughs> I feel like that's almost uh, the grab we right. should take. There's another T-shirt too. <laughs> we we are we are diversing here again. I think. Um, oh, yeah, we <laughs> do you want to take control of the audience questions? Because we've got a couple of rippers in there. Um, I I can totally do that. We've actually had a, uh, an interesting question from Shana. Um, Shana, can you give me a nod if you want to ask that question yourself, or would you like me to ask it? Was that yes? You want you want to ask it? Shana's camera's moving. It's fantastic. It's right? quite impressive. It's the, the camera's nodding and Shana's staying still. Um, I'm going to unmute Shana and she's going to ask her question because um, it's it's quite an interesting one because it refers back to uh, having you guys on the podcast last year. So Shana, over to you. Cheers, Trav. Um, so I was on the podcast last year and we were talking about how canning from a brew pub was the biggest change that you'd had in COVID. We're now moving on a year later. 
with a lot of different variables in terms of lockdowns that could, might exist for a long time, with many different variables in that, um, what, what other things are you changing or have you changed to Golden Hills? Oh, I don't think I don't think there's only been many other massive changes as such. I think we we live constantly in this trying to straddle um, running a running a pub, running a a, a a venue which has very different requirements than than a craft beer going wholesale. You know, we can't. We're not in a position to put our pale ale in cans in, in every Dan Murphy's in the country or something. You know, we we've diversified to um, more independent bottle shops and things like that. And we are yeah, it's it's the it's these books, it's the it's the the big stuff and the interesting stuff, the Imperial Sours, the big stats, the big IPAs and things like that, whilst also trying to straddle the concept of what we actually were and designed to be, um, which was just a pub. Um, but that's also had a benefit of the fact that we say COVID had never occurred. I would, I would hazard a guess that probably around this time, probably a, a year and a half after opening, we'd probably be thinking about starting to do some cans or starting to go wholesale. And now what we've actually seen is uh, a lot of the local areas, a lot of, in terms of the suburbs around us, a lot of people and businesses want your beer because it's brewed up the road. And that's a lovely thing to hear. So we've actually realised there is a wholesale market or a, or a direct-to-home market that we probably didn't real, we wouldn't have realised was there. No, um, well, it, it's been a big thing for me and, and I suppose it comes from this podcast, not to toot their horn, but uh, if I was to see your beer in my local bottle shop, I know that that's something I can buy that I like mm. and can immediately identify with the label, which is a great thing that mm. wouldn't have happened if you'd just been a brew pub. That's right. Yeah, it would have been, we would have been, um, uh, it would, we would have kind of gone about it a very different way. And um and yeah, and also I mean, it's a very challenging business-wise. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who understand. Lockdowns have gone on so long that the business you're doing whilst you're locked down is now quite representative of who you are in a way. This, pod so this podcast might be the best example of that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really challenging to sort of um, the offerings you're offering whilst you're whilst you're locked down, people get to know that and that's who you are because we've been locked down more days than we've been open now, um, or at least under some level of num number restrictions by a long way. So um, uh, it is quite a yeah, peculiar one. You know, we became a place that had to have seated service and had to have very restricted numbers and things like that. Um, where it wasn't supposed to be. It's supposed to be a large open place full of people, you know, some sitting down having a meal and some just standing at the bar. I was I was going to actually bring, like, that was going to be my next question. Like, you guys were, you, you, you pretty much opened during COVID. How has... Yeah. You, you live in, you've opened in this environment where 
I, I would think that the, the local community backed you and, and supported you as much as they possibly could. How has that aspect gone for you guys? Like, have you, have you seen that some, that, you know, we're, we're always hearing about how you should support your local business and, um, you know, support your local hashtags trending on Twitter and those sorts of things. Have the local community down there fully got behind you? And Oh, they definitely have. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've all seen it in, um, like I was saying before, you don't really know what's going on if it's your business or if it's the environment. I'm not going to say everyone win, but there's a lot more apathy at the minute towards, you know, these last couple of lockdowns have kicked people in the teeth and whether that's, whether that's just mentally or whether it's financially for some people as well. Um, people aren't really getting excited as much and, and, and go going out and sort of, we did have the new brewery thing last year. We were the new place up the road, but now we've been the place that people have come to visit and they know, and they've come in and they've had dinner and they've enjoyed it. And now they're all coming back, but we're not, um, or how to explain. Yeah, I guess I think there's more people are a bit COVID fatigued to say the least, um, which is, but there's, you know, but we're, doing ways around now they're not getting excited you know they're more likely just to pick up a takeaway pizza and get a six-pack rather than yeah. you know i think take take home cook yourself meal and uh you know and uh and uh a mixed six-pack or something with tasting notes um steve you kind of touched on on a, a point there which i was there was kind of marinating in the back of my head so the beer and the canning has become and and wholesale and and your and that side has become uh, kind of adapted to COVID and become part of your the business model. Um, you've mentioned the takeaway pizzas. Are there other areas like of the uh, because because Golden Hills was more of a, a complete hospitality venue, so the food was important, the beer was important. There's cocktails and other things. Was there, yeah, is there other aspects of the business which, which have adapted as well and changed and, and that takeaway pizza, for example, is... Yeah, like I think, to be honest with you, I think we've um, we've always tried, you know, you're doing two, you're straddling two things, you're trying to provide both a service to people so that they keep coming to, but you're also trying to keep people in work, you know, it's fairly brutal as that is. And I, and I think we've probably, I don't think, my bosses mind me saying we've probably every lockdown had a bit of a different version of um of what offerings we've had and that has you know there has been some more uh more sort of packs about kind of mixed packs and sort of you know take this home and try and have a more sensory experience that sort of that home party and i think we are seeing a little bit more fatigue amongst the community and amongst people now where they just sort of want to get on with their well and yeah and it's maybe a little more a pizza and a six six pack more than a build it yourself at home meal and a mix six with tasting notes um mugs has got a question i reckon about can art now i know we touched on this a little bit last time around but um it's a great question and even well it's a decent question. It's a great answer. So let's um, unmute and, and hear all of that. Oh, sorry. Hi. <coughs> I'll take the stupid sunglasses off. They're not even sunglasses. 
Um, yeah, well, I, I, I sort of, I was at the brewery, uh, I think I came through February this year, and I, I actually got a four-pack of the um, Triple. Nice. So it wasn't Drink more. Yeah, uh, and like I thought the can art was absolutely amazing. And then I'm sort of looking at the They're definitely a different style. And I, I sort of, my original question is like, who does it? But I'm noticing that you've got um, different artists on. On, so the, how, how do you, how on, that... on the artist series, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so I literally can't tell you about the, um, about the Imperial Ferry that, the artist is on the side of it, and I feel really rude not knowing them. More silly, silly the Sully, it the says. Was oh, the no, same silly one from Sully last year. Stout, I know this one. We spoke about this. Um, yeah, uh, we we spoke yeah. about this. Like, I love the fact you're still using it. Yeah, well, it's it's a two story mural, like on in Diamond Creek, like just at the back of um, Bendigo Banquet. Um, yeah. Doesn't really translate on that picture, but but it, this is a photograph of a. You can see on the um, the left hand side, those are just that's a concrete pole. Um, um, it's a two story mural on the side of a and yeah, and he's a he's a local guy. There's, there's some beautiful um, uh, council commission street art in in Diamond Creek. Actually, there's one just up the road. It's just been done, and that's stunning. Yeah, and um, it makes it really sort of suits with what I was saying before about um just being able to make something and do something that's under a banner of imperial stack or imperial berry or nipa and you have a beautiful piece of art that someone locally has made and has agreed to have it on their can um and yeah they stand out strong on the shelf and they actually you know they mean something for someone so how does what's the process that goes into actually commissioning these people to to do the art for your cans did you approach people or yeah i'm in too directly involved in that person so i'm certain to already imperial stack one silly sally there that was um because we've got quite a lot of open space out the back of ours by the car park there um one of the guys who who's involved in making those murals um uh, for the can well, doesn't work for the council but it's commissioned by the council to paint those beautiful things and he has a team of people who he knows um he put us in touch with well we sort of went out and selected which mural would be appropriate and um he's oh yeah i i i know him and um you know of course um then just get in touch and then you try and get some high-res images and make it look great for both of you and um hopefully everyone's happy Oh, especially because they're local artists, so I really, mm. I think, I think that's really cool because you sort of. Yeah, no, I've got to be rude. I can't, I can't tell you about the um the Imperial Barry artist. I remember putting it together well, but um I can't tell you. There's the Nipa is is Lewis is um one of our chefs, and the Imperial State is Silly Sally from yeah from Diamond Creek. It's a great idea. I just love it as an idea. I love that. Yeah, it's really it's, cool. It looks strong yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. They're very powerful, particularly together on the shelf. Uh, thank you for your question, Mugs, and the others in the in the Zoom room tonight. We are going to start wrapping things up here. Um, Steve, before we say goodbye and, and 
and everything. Can you throw us your your socials? Where does everyone find you when we come out of this lockdown, lockdown six point whatever it is, and you guys open up again? Where do they all come to? Uh, yeah, um, just Golden Hills Brewery or at Golden Hills Beer for the more beery side things. Um, it's very easy to find these days. Um, you know, leave nice reviews, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> and as always, we'll put all your all your social medias into our show notes for the, the episode as well. Um, we mentioned this earlier tonight. It's been a year since you've been on, and we talked about coming down to the brewery and having a bit of a bus trip or a train trip down there. Hopefully we can train do trip. that. I think a train trip is probably the way to go. We, that way we don't have to worry about a bus driver. Right, um, right. Hopefully before the year's out, we actually get down there and do it without going back into another lockdown. So that sounds um, awful. Who'd have thought 12 months ago? <laughs> a year on. It's, 21 uh, would be our year, mate. Um, but yeah. We will uh, we'll definitely uh, endeavour to get get down there to see you guys and everyone listening to the podcast after the fact, when you can get out of town. Route already. Uh, just got, and then we can get off at range and bod. And on, but yeah, someone's planning the route. Oh, so you even better, like, uh, brilliant. We've got, we've got a, we've got a planner. We just, we don't oh, need Trav, a bush walk. Trav, I think our whole, our whole audience has already been, it's pretty much us three who haven't visited. I, I think that's probably pretty accurate. I think it's quite true. I think everyone else has gone because I've pretty much heard of it and, and no one like no one invited us. So for the listeners that listen to the podcast afterwards, when you can get out and about, go down and see these guys. Uh, Warren, David and I will also do the same and get down and see you. It might just be a short train trip with just the three of us. Um, perhaps we can record a podcast on the train trip on the way down. Uh, which could be an interesting way of doing things. Um, guys, you you know the spiel. We're, I'm going to tell you the events coming up over the next however many weeks that I can see on my screen at the moment. Um, we've got Hop Nation on next Thursday night. I, this is going to be an interesting one because I feel like we've been trying to get these guys on the podcast for well over a year now. and Before the we, podcast started. Well, that's probably correct, <laughs> yep. And we finally got there. We, we're going to have them on next Thursday night, the 26th of August. Hopefully that's only a week away before we come out of lockdown, which will be good. Um, we've got our beer trivia night the following Saturday on the 28th of August. And then on the 2nd of September, which technically should be the night we come out of lockdown in Melbourne, uh, we've got Deeds on Um which is going to be awesome. It's going to be a really cool night. Uh, don't forget the blind tastings over the next two Sundays as well. If you've purchased the beer pack uh, from the Shopify store and you can still get those, you've just got to log on, go to the uh, cool room Facebook page and you'll see the link to the Shopify store and be able to buy your packs. Uh, if you're lucky enough, you'll get David turning up in a mask to deliver them to your doorstep. Um, Normally it's a COVID mask. Sometimes plague doctor, sometimes president of the USA. I feel like one day David's going to turn up to the doorstep in like the masks from Scream or something just to change it up a bit. Mm. Uh, Steve, maybe Vader, maybe Vader. Yeah. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for coming back on. 
a year later, um, we, like right. I said, we'll, we'll get down there and see you. And it's, yeah, you guys seem to be kicking along so. real nicely. So. No, awesome. Thank you so much. It's, I know it's a big effort to keep putting these things out. And um, it makes a big difference at all points to our community, especially um, uh, during lockdown and shitty times like this. It's, um, it's a big part of it. And I know it takes a lot of effort and work and it's much appreciated. Thank you very much for saying that. Uh, we will see you all soon, guys. Enjoy the rest of the night. Remember, if you're in the Zoom room, you get to sit around and uh, drink the rest of the beers with everyone and get a little bit tipsy um, after last night. I think that's going to be an interesting thing. Um, enjoy the rest of your night. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone.